Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one UCLA. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. It's a brand new week here on 960 AM WSBT. The live streams are up and going in three locations at WSBTradio.com, on our free WSBT radio app, and with the help of a video feed on the Twitch app. Welcome to your Monday, June the 19th of 2023. It is eight minutes after five o'clock. Hope you had a terrific weekend, a belated happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Hope you had a terrific day yesterday. If you like the tradition of the final round of the U.S. Open on Father's Day, there was drama coming down the stretch, but Wyndham Clark, a native of Colorado, got it done winning his first major championship, holding off Rory McIlroy by one shot. Clark, his best ever finish in a major. The 29-year-old had a tie for 75th once until yesterday. For McIlroy, the frustration, nine years since his last major, has to drag on just a little longer. He played extremely well, I thought, on Sunday, but very similar to the Open Championship last summer. Just couldn't make a putt the final day. And that was a part of the story yesterday as McElroy came up one shot short. We'll have time to talk about the U.S. Open coming up at the bottom of the hour. I'll be joined by my good friend Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club. We'll talk some U.S. Open. And also we'll spend a little time on informing you if you have 
a youngster, maybe a grandson, a granddaughter, whatever the case may be, there are some great opportunities to get them involved in the game of golf or if they're already playing, some opportunity to get some lessons as junior camps at Blackthorn are right around the corner. Tim will have all the details coming up at the bottom of the hour, and you can always find out more about Blackthorn via their website, blackthorngolf.com. We've got our hat trick of opening topics coming up in just a couple of moments. The, the Irish had a talented tight end in the class of 2025. Things not going so well for Chase Claypool with the Bears and also some thoughts from the new Colts quarterback, rookie Anthony Richardson. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up in a little bit, 6 o'clock hour. The five biggest winners of the weekend. We'll have some Sizzler, our sports wagering segment, The Good Vibes, continued on Friday with a 4-0 day. And with each of our wagers, we do a hypothetical $10 wager on each suggestion. We went 4-0 on Friday, making $31.30 off those wagers. And now 14-5-1 last week. And the month of June has been scorching hot on Sizzler. We can afford a lot of stakes right now from Sizzler. We are 33-14-1. And, and just keeping track of all the stats... Major League Baseball so far this year on Sizzler, 72, 56, and 1. And on each of those, a $10 bet, we're up $122.09. So, Sizzler, look out. We're coming to eat here very, very soon. We've got four more suggestions coming up tonight. Two from the College World Series and two from Major League Baseball. Boy, oh, boy. What a great College World Series so far. It never disappoints some dramatic games already in this event. Former Notre Dame broadcaster and alumnus of Notre Dame, Mike Monaco, is calling half of the games at the College World Series. He's calling that Stanford-Tennessee game that is heading to the bottom of the ninth inning. And this game has flipped as Tennessee was down 4 nothing in the middle innings. But now Tennessee leads Stanford. Six to four as the Cardinal bat in the bottom of the ninth inning. And this is an elimination game in the College World Series. In the preseason polls, Tennessee was number two, Stanford number three. One of these two teams will come to Omaha and not pick up a victory. And right now, it appears it will be Stanford as they trail 6-4 in the bottom of the ninth. And we have Titans squaring off later tonight in Omaha LSU, number five in the country. Wake Forest, number one. They will meet in a winner's bracket matchup 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN. That should be a great matchup. Two outstanding teams, two of the favorites to win the College World Series meeting in a very important winner's bracket matchup. So we've got a lot to get to, and why don't we get started with our hat trick of opening topics, three topics to start this Monday edition of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. We begin with Notre Dame football and some recruiting news. The Fighting Irish added a prep tight end for their class of 2025 over the weekend. Good news for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish as they got a commitment from 2025 four-star tight end, Nate Roberts. 
According to On3's industry ranking, Roberts is the nation's number 137th overall player in the class of 2025, and he is tight end number seven. This guy has got a big frame, 6'4", 225 pounds, and Roberts picked the Fighting Irish over schools like Oklahoma, Penn State, Tennessee, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, Miami, and Texas A&M. From Blue and Gold Illustrated, Roberts told the crew there, quote, the tradition and the culture that they have at Notre Dame are things I like a lot. The staff is amazing and the academics are top notch. They also have had success at tight end and that meant a lot to me. I always wanted to go somewhere that uses the heck out of the tight end position. And the starting tight end for Notre Dame these past 12 years has been drafted. No other school can say that. End quote. Read more about Nate Roberts picking the Fighting Irish, courtesy of my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Now, let's fast forward ahead a couple of years. Roberts signs with the Fighting Irish. And without getting into possible grad transfers between now and then, when Roberts arrives, this is what the Notre Dame tight end scholarship chart basically is going to look like. Leaving the roster after the 24 season. Now, there could be some medicals, who knows, but Kevin Bauman, Davis Sherwood, Mitchell Evans, for sure you would still have on the roster Eli Reardon, Holden Stays, Cooper Flanagan, Jack Larson, who is a commitment in the class of 2024. And now we add in Nate Roberts. The Irish are still going after another tight end in the class of 2024. So that class may not be complete with tight ends. As of yet, there's a young young man from Nebraska that Notre Dame is in on at the current time. Also, it's worth noting, it's worth keeping an eye on. One of the nation's best defensive players in the 24 class. Notre Dame is on his short list right now. We're talking about Justin Scott from Chicago. It seems like as of late, Georgia, Miami of Florida, Notre Dame are the leading contenders. Of course, that can change. Now, Scott visited the Hurricanes over the weekend. No commitment came from that. I keep remembering what my colleagues from Blue and Gold Illustrated have told us on the program, both Mike Singer and Kyle Kelly. They believe the longer this process goes on for Justin Scott trying to find his college of choice, the better it is for Notre Dame. Now, oddly, because I'm assuming Chicago is pretty close to South Bend, that Scott has not agreed on an official visit to Notre Dame as of yet. He was down at Miami. He's going to Ohio State, but nothing yet for Notre Dame. Now, I'm sure the coaching staff is working like crazy, at least trying to get him here for an unofficial visit. But so far... Nothing on the books as of yet, but good news. Justin Scott visited the Hurricanes and no commitment 
came from that visit. And, of course, this is going to be one of the top stories heading into the high school football season. Will Scott make his choice before his high school season gets underway? If that's the case, he's got about two months to make that choice. And, again, hopefully Notre Dame can get Scott on campus before the start of the football season. Hat trick. Topic number two for today. Are the Chicago Bears unhappy with Chase Claypool? Now, where does this come from, the origins? Well, ESPN 1000's longtime broadcaster, Mark Silverman, went on his show in Chicago saying that there are people within the Bears organization that are not pleased with the former Irish wide receiver. Silverman said on his radio show, Waddle and Sylvie, quote, I have heard from a few people inside that building that he is not somebody who is very self-motivated. All I can tell you is it isn't trending in a way that the Bears have wanted it to trend this offseason. End quote. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers got a huge rookie season out of Chase Claypool. 11 touchdowns back in 2020. But then as time went on in Pittsburgh, whatever the case was, Claypool, his productivity, his opportunities diminished. And it led to Last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers going ahead and trading away the still very young Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears and the Steelers. I said this at the time. I thought they got really good value in getting the number 32 pick in the draft. I mean, that's top of the second round. That's a really, really good spot. And if you don't believe Chase Claypool... And I'm not speaking for the Steelers. I'm speaking more hypothetical based on events. If you're the Steelers and you believe Claypool is not going to reach his productivity level that he had as a rookie, if there was a work ethic problem, whichever those two it was, you get the number 32 pick in the draft for that player, That is a great situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Bears had a lot of draft capital to work with. They have a lot of room within the salary cap when they made this trade. They were looking for weapons for their young quarterback, Justin Fields. And we went into last season knowing the Bears were not perfectly equipped at wide receiver to put Justin Fields in the best position to succeed, let alone an offensive line that wasn't going to be what you're looking for. Now, the Steelers' official website at one point described Claypool as having a quote-unquote diva quotient, end quote. That is not good. And again, if you're the Steelers, you get the 32nd overall pick for this guy, that's a pretty good move. And, oh, by the way, the Steelers got a guy they feel like is going to be a major, major help for a defense that should be really good this year. Pick number 32, the Steelers took 
the cornerback from Penn State, and the son of a great Steeler player, Joey Porter. They took Joey Porter Jr. The Bears in 10 games, what do they get with Chase Claypool? 10 catches for 140 yards. Now, it has been mentioned that this system is very difficult to learn in Chicago under Luke Getze. It's going to take a little time. Okay. We'll buy into that a tad bit. But 10 games was a long time, and 10 catches was the result. And now here we are hearing about the possibility that Claypool is not where the Bears want him to be. He is very self-motivated. Or I'm sorry, not self-motivated. So the Bears, where do they sit right now with Claypool being a major question mark if these reports are true? Well, the good news is Returning from last year, a guy that I think showed enough promise where Bears fans feel good about Darnell Moody. And Moody is backed up by Tyler Scott, a speedster. He can open up a defense without a doubt. Fourth round pick, 2023 out of Cincinnati. You've got D.J. Moore and Equinemia St. Brown at another wide receiver spot. D.J. Moore in the National Football League has a 90-catch season under his belt. Part of the trade with Carolina that moved the Panthers up to the number one pick. And the Bears dropped back to nine and eventually number 10 when they took their right tackle from Tennessee. So D.J. Moore is your number one target if all goes well, backed up by the former Irish wide receiver, Equinemia St. Brand, who I think is a really solid number two receiver behind DJ Moore. The problem is you got Moore and Moody, but if Claypool is a question mark, what does that do to the other wide receiver spot? You've got Dante Pettis backing him up. Maybe EQ moves over to that spot. Not sure how quickly Tyler Scott's going to develop, but it offers a a bit of a quandary for that Bears offense. Now, it's June 19th. Hopefully, if this is a problem, there is plenty of time to turn it around. But an issue that started reportedly in Pittsburgh that seems to be a dark cloud in Chicago is extremely concerning. We saw as a rookie what he was capable of doing, and the Steelers made him a big part of the offense, and for whatever reason, Things started to go the wrong way from there. Can the Bears get the most out of Chase Claypool? If Claypool is playing at a high level, Claypool, Moore, and Moody, my goodness, is that so much better than what the Bears were dealing with last year? And Justin Fields has to be saying thank you. Thank you. But if it is a problem, hopefully the Bears can reel in Chase Claypool because... If this is a diva issue in two different locations, that's going to be awfully difficult to overcome, possibly for a third stop if it doesn't work out in the Windy City. 525 at WSBT. We're in the midst of our hat trick of opening topics on Budweiser's weekday sports feed on this Monday. Darren Pritchett with you. How about Anthony Richardson? 
the Indianapolis Colts, number four overall selection, the quarterback from the Florida Gators. He is working hard in OTAs, trying to get a handle on this Colts offense. Shane Steichen comes over from Philadelphia to be the Colts head coach and also their offensive guru. Richardson was asked if he is now starting to settle in, not only as a player in the National Football League, but hopefully very soon the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. You know, it's been everything I dreamed of. You know, it's a lot of work. And when I say a lot of work, I mean a lot of work. You know, just being in here with the vets, just working, watching them work, and then just trying to find my own routine with that, within everything and just grind day in, day out. You know, everything I dreamed of, but it definitely is a lot. One of the more recent times Richardson met the media, he talked about there was that moment or two of being overwhelmed. Is that now starting to go away? Definitely slowed down. Um, it was my first day practicing with the vets. It was way different from rookie minicamp. You know, I just see guys flying around. Uh, I pulled the ball on his own read one time, and the, the end was chasing me. He was like right next to me. I'm like, okay, this is different. So uh, it was definitely going fast, but the next day I noticed some uh, progress, and I was just relaxing and just trusting what I was studying. But it's, it's definitely slowed down for me. People have been saying that they've, they've seen you coming out of your shell a little bit, getting more comfortable. Are you feeling that now? Is it starting to feel more like home? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, the main thing when it comes to that is just finding a routine, you know, finding my place in the building, uh, finding what I need to work on, uh, get advice from the vets, and just understand what they want from me. You know, uh, sometimes I have to remember that I am a rookie and I don't know everything and I have to, you know, just trust the process. But it's just a matter of getting information and just being myself and just finding my routine. Well, the good news is... The Colts can groom this guy at their own pace. Gardner Minshew, the former Jacksonville Jaguar starting quarterback, also spent time working with Coach Steichen in Philadelphia. He is ready to be the starting quarterback for the Colts in week number one. But, of course, the development of Richardson is vital to the future success of the Indianapolis Colts. And, you got to figure it out quick if you're a quarterback. They want to get you on the field as quickly as possible. It is such an advantage if you can pick a quarterback and you can develop him quickly into a winning player because that NFL team has a major advantage over most of the teams in the NFL because that quarterback playing at a high level is under his rookie contract for the first four years or five years if he's taken in the first round. Look at the Seattle Seahawks when they won their Super Bowl championship with a very young Russell Wilson. He didn't cost a whole lot, and they loaded up elsewhere on the football team. Eventually, you have to pay your quarterback, and that takes away money from starting spots, and oftentimes you see players cut that could play a vital role on that team when you have to pay your quarterback. So if the Colts can get Richardson playing at a high level within the next couple of years, they can be rewarded by having such a small salary cap hit at the quarterback position, and that's a position that's going to cost you between 30 and $50 million 
once he leaves that rookie contract. That is the going rate for quarterbacks right now in the National Football League. So a small window for the Colts to get this Richardson kid rolling. And in the next few years, hopefully you can take advantage of that very small salary. You can hear Colts football once again this fall. Matt Taylor on the call right here on the Midwest Family Group of stations on 96.1 The Ton. We're already halfway through the 5 o'clock hour in Budweiser's weekday sports. We will talk some U.S. Open with Tim Firestone from Blackthorn next on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 535 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Good to be with you on this Monday evening. I'm joined by... Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. We're going to talk a little U.S. Open and also Blackthorn Junior Camps that are right around the corner. And first off, Tim, I'm sure you love the sound of a little rain in the forecast. We have not had a whole lot of that stuff from Mother Nature the last few months. We have not. I tell you, it's been great for revenue, but uh, <laughs> John Quickstead, our superintendent, is probably pulling his hair out what he has left of it, trying to – keep the water going man it's uh it's been quite the stretch well tim it is good to be with you on this day after the u.s open it's always so much fun to watch our national championship i'd just at first i'd like to get your initial thoughts first time seeing los angeles country club on television this exclusive club out in downtown la it was kind of a, a secret i guess to a lot of golfers what were your impressions of seeing it for the first time well, yeah, I'm the same way, to be honest with you. I had never heard of the golf course. Um, and from someone being in the golf business for, you know, 30 years like I have, to not hear of a course that they're playing, you know, U.S. Open on was was shocking. And then started hearing and watching some of the, you know, uh, pre-coverage, uh, you know, before the tournament. And I was uh, super excited going into it to watch it and look unique and, I think it's uh, it looks like just like a fun to play, um, you know, with the different shots and the different holes and, and where you can hit it. Um, and uh, I think, you know, overall, the weather really was the difference, Darren. I think that if they had wind and it was, they would have got it as firm as they wanted to, you would have seen a lot different golf course and a lot of different scores. Well, just using Ricky Fowler as an example, he was a part of that historic Thursday in the first round, shooting that eight under par 62. Xander Shoffley matched it 30 minutes later. But you look at Ricky in the first round, he was eight under par. The other 54 holes, he was over par by a couple of strokes. And I just think that marine layer kept the golf course so soft, Tim, that if you give these pros no wind and soft conditions even the usga cannot put up a defense to those type of elements that they had to deal with on thursday 
I think that's exactly right. And the greens were as pure as you're going to see. So those guys put the ball. You saw the putts that uh, Ricky was making um, on the first day and, and, and Xander. I mean, my gosh, I, I don't know how many feet of putts they made, but the greens were pure, receptive. Um, the fairways were a little, I think, softer than – uh, than they had thought they were going to be, and it kept the ball in the fairway a lot more. Because if you roll just a foot off those fairways, it's a completely different, uh, you know, uh, score for the hole you're going to make. It's definitely half shot more in some of those areas. But um, yeah, I just think that's really what it came down to is is that you know that marine layer and keeping it just a, a little softer than they probably thought. But uh, again, uh, really cool golf course. Neat to see all the homes around it. Neat to see a golf course we haven't seen before. Um, reading comments and, and even, I guess, during the, the tournament, uh, Kepka uh, was not a big fan. But I don't think overall the guys were huge fans of the golf course. But from a spectator standpoint, I thought it was pretty cool. Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn, my guest, recapping the U.S. Open. The one thing that I really liked about Los Angeles Country Club were the par threes. First of all, all five par threes were set up in different directions, so you got a different wind angle on all five of the par threes. And I love the fact you had a couple of very long par threes, including one of them played 299, although it was downhill and downwind, so that helped. They were hit, still hitting four irons into that hole. But then you had an 81-yard par three, so I really liked the ability to throw some different part threes at the golfers it wasn't just the same shot every time no i think it, it was neat it was uh definitely not your traditional you know whether it's wing foot or you know balsa straw or some of the other places that you see where you know, you're gonna have your par threes between you know 160 and 200 yards um so it was a, a lot different look and they had to hit all the different clubs in the bag and uh I mean, 81-yard hole, think about that. And then look how difficult it really was. I mean, I know we had a few hole-in-ones, but if you didn't hit in the right spot, you had no chance. Tim, you look at Ricky Fowler. He described himself as being lost back in November. He went back to his old golf coach, Butch Harmon. And Ricky put together a terrific week. I know he's disappointed. Anytime you lead going into the fourth round of a major, you don't win, you're going to be unhappy. But – if there's one person to walk away from last week feeling really good about themselves, it's got to be Ricky Tim because this was a guy that was has been really off the radar for some time. He's played in only three majors in the last four years. Yeah, I mean, and he's been playing good all year. He is really he's ready to win. Um, he seems so calm, cool, collected. He seems like he has the right attitude to win majors. Um, and I guarantee you, if he would reverse his rounds and he would have finished with the 63 yesterday and finished where he finished, um, we'd be talking even a lot more about it. Um, but, man, he just hit the ball so good, and he's always been a great putter, but, he, you know, he's got a different putter now. I saw these using this year. Um, and, again, that's just golf, man. I mean, it's just a, a little bit of a timing issue. I mean, you're just not – just not quite sharp and that's the difference um and for him unfortunately he didn't have uh, the a game and either did rory to anybody to really uh catch uh wyndham uh clark and you know it's unfortunate no offense to 
Wyndham Clark, but I think there's a lot of golf fans that would have loved to see Rory or uh, or Ricky win. Um, I know I was one of them. Rory is a guy that is coming close. You know, he had those four major wins in his first 25 starts, and you're thinking, how many is he going to win? He has not won in nine years, and he has come close, including at the Open Championship last year at St. Andrews. And here he was coming down the stretch, Tim, with a great chance to win the U.S. Open for the first time since 2011 when he won at Congressional. But he comes up one shot short, and it felt like a similar story to St. Andrews where the putter might have been the difference of Rory winning and losing a major championship. Yeah, I mean, I think Rory is a great player. He's probably the most gifted ball striker definitely in the last, you know, 10 years. I mean, the, the way he drives the golf ball and and how high he hits his irons and he's in, an incredible talent. But what he's missing that the super greats had, you know, the Arnies, the Jacks, the Tigers, is the ability to make a putt when you have to. And Rory has not shown that, and that's why it's been nine years since he's won a major. It's not because of his ball striking. You know what I mean? He's, he's been right there in the mix, and he just can't get the ball in the hole. And it's not that he's hitting bad putts. I don't know if you – I mean, the putts he missed, those guys, when they miss a putt, they're missing it by a quarter or half an inch. Yeah. It's not like they're hitting bad butts like you and me out there. I mean, they're scaring the hole. But still, you got to find a way to get in the hole. And unfortunately, Rory hasn't been able to do that in his career to, to make putts when he had to. How in the world does he flight the golf ball so high? I mean, it brings rain, Tim, when he hits the driver. Well, he generates so much club head speed. That's the first and the most important part. Um but just the way that uh, his swing and uh, that he's got it dialed in with swinging up on that driver and creating that high kind of knuckleball with not much uh, spin rate on it, the ball just starts high, goes high, stays high, and hmm. flies a mile. I mean, he's flying it 310, 320 yards, flying it that far. So... It's just incredible what he's able to do and how much club head speed he can generate. The owner of Blackthorn Golf Club, Tim Firestone, my guest here on WSBT Radio. Well, for those of us that are kind of Sunday hackers, it's kind of nice to see a major champion go to a guy that, you know, will move the golf ball from left to right, although his shot on the 72nd hole, that might have been a banana slice, and he might have been fortunate that it was the widest fairway you could possibly have at a U.S. Open, but... Wyndham Clark with that power fade and, and uses the cut so well. Tim, it's hard to imagine he had not won until just about a month ago at the Wells Fargo. This was a talented NCAA golfer at Oklahoma State, one year at Oregon. I know they documented during the broadcast last weekend that his mother uh, tragically passed away, I believe, from cancer. And he was having a lot of issues just dealing with everyday life. And now here he is on top of the golf world. And he was pretty mentally strong, Tim, coming down the stretch. It seemed like the wheels were going to fall off a couple of times on the back nine, but he always seemed to make a very important shot to save the day. Yeah, I was uh, very impressed. I, I had not really heard a bunch about him other than he is one of the longest hitters on tour. I mean, he smashes it as well. Some of those drives he hit, I think, was on 16 or 17. 
I mean, he had like 80 yards in or something. I mean, he just pounds the ball. Um, but his poise, and I think he said it, he wanted to play kind of cocky. He wanted to play confident. Um, and, you know, I think that attitude and that, and, you know, his mindset was exactly what you had to do to win. And uh, he had a bad shot. He didn't let him affect him. I mean, some of the up and down he made there on 14 or 15, and some of the shots were incredible. Maybe some of it's a little bit of luck and timing, but at the end of the day, he was composed, and he is a really gifted ball striker. This is going to be a little nitpicky, Tim, and I'll admit it before I make this next statement, but I like the fact the Live Golfers are playing in a major. There are players from Live Golf that I want to see once again on the PGA Tour, like Brooks Kepka and, and Cam Smith, and those were two guys that did not wear their Live Golf team shirts and hats during the U.S. Open. <laughs> but you saw Sergio and Mickelson and even DJ, they had their Live Golf team logos on. I thought it was a little childish, but then I thought to myself, I don't think they have any sponsors anymore. So if they don't wear their team gear, I'm not sure what they're going to wear. I think you hit it on the head. Uh, when I saw DJ's logo, I was like, what is this? Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, that's his. Because I think everybody else they've parted ways with maybe. So um, I think that he had no other choice. But, um, I mean, let's face it. There's really only three guys we care about on that tour, right? Yeah. Let's. I mean, if we're really being honest, is Kepka, him, and, and, uh, Cameron and Smith. Cam Smith. Yeah. yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, Phil's done. You know, I just can't even stand watching him anymore. It's just, you know, um, I just, uh, I don't know. But I'm a big Cam Smith fan. I think he's handled the whole thing really well. I think he's, he says he hasn't regretted the decision, but now I think all of them are in limbo and who made the right decision. I did see a lot of uh, smirky comments from Kepka about, uh, when he left the media tent, how he'll see everybody next week at the Travelers. Uh, that was pretty funny. So, uh, I don't, who knows what's going to happen. Um, you know, they're, I, the guys are making some comments how they've been assured the Live Tour is going to keep going on. I don't see why or how that would even make sense um, to keep that going, to be honest. You know, um, but who knows? And... Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how all this pans out um, through the next few months here. No question about that. Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. Let's talk about your facility for a little bit here. Of course, a championship course out by the airport. I know that your golf course is extremely busy pretty much every day because, well, let's face it, you have one of the, if not the premier golf course in the area. Just kind of give me your overall thoughts on the start to 2023 out at Blackthorn. Well, I got to tell you, I think that, you know, given everything in professional golf and uh, where golf is, it's definitely, there's still an excitement to the, to the game of golf. The COVID uh, boost is still in full effect. Um, I mean, we today at Blackthorn, we had every single tee time sold till about 6.30 tonight. And that's just, for a Monday, is insane. And then tomorrow we've got 250 players. Wednesday, almost 300 players. It is just absolutely 
incredible the number of rounds of golf that are being played and i think it's everywhere it's not just us so um i can't believe that this is where we are if we went back five years ago uh today and had this conversation um you know i felt like we were doing well and now it's like this is just uh unbelievable how this resurgence in golf has taken place and people that i just have never seen are out playing golf two, three times a week. You know what I mean? Um, it's incredible. With this resurgence in the game of golf, have you seen that same type of explosion with our younger golfers, the next generation of golfers to play at Blackthorn? We have, and I, it's, I, I've noticed this over the last pretty much COVID, you know, where we are seeing a lot more activity with our juniors. Um, whether it's lessons or coming out and playing and hitting a few shots with, you know, mom or dad and um, hitting balls on a range. And um, it's really neat to see uh, this younger generation um, taking interest. I think it's, again, though, I really do believe it's driven by the parents and either parents starting the game or getting back into the game. And uh, like a perfect example is my daughter who I, my youngest, uh, who will be a sophomore next year. Uh, I couldn't, I own a golf course and they, they would never come out and play. You know, they had the whole <laughs> thing to themselves for all these years. And now all of a sudden she's gotten into it. She's hitting balls, you know, and practicing and, and we're going to go out for the golf team. And I'm like, I wish you would have started about six years ago, but anyway, <laughs> we're seeing uh, a lot more kids involved our junior camps, which we do have a few spots left. I wanted to mention uh, people can find out uh, information at blackthorngolf.com. Um, but we've actually added an extra week. Um, that's how popular it's been this, this, this mm. summer. So we're seeing record numbers of kids signing up um, for the, for the golf camps. Um, and so uh, couldn't be more thrilled about uh, where we are with the game of golf right now. Is it all different type of skill levels for those junior camps, Tim, whether you picked up a club or if you've been playing two or three, four years, is this basically for anyone? Yeah. So this is age group seven to 13. So it's pretty much from the very beginning to, um, you know, if you've played, um, you know, just with your mom and dad out or hit balls or whatever, but, but yeah, any ages seven through 13, uh, are, are, are eligible to sign up and play in it. And uh, it, they do – our instructors, Randy and Matt, do a great job of having some fun and games. It's not – you know, at that level and of that age group, it's not just all golf instruction. There's a lot of fun, a lot of different games, a lot of prizes. And then, you know, treats and pizza always make kids happy. So that's what <laughs> we've learned with uh, the golf camps. So. And if – parents want to get their kids signed up for these junior clinics what is the best way to go about that I, right online it's very simple to sign them up uh, blackthorngolf.com and uh, it'll be either right there on the main page you can strict, uh, click on instructions uh, or instruction and you can sign uh, your your child up right there online tim promise me one thing when your daughter makes her first hole in one You've got to come out to the golf course in the full Ricky Fowler orange trousers, <laughs> shirt, and hat, man. It, it's got to be the whole enchilada. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. I was. I'd love to do that. Um, <laughs> no problem at all. So, if she makes one, she'll tie me. I only have one, so 
that would be quite the story if she, you know, ties her old man with a, a hole-in-one uh, total. But the fact you're playing a lot more again, that means the pressure's on. She better get one pretty quick to tie you. She better. I've been close a couple of times this See? year, actually. So Uh-oh. she better get going. Uh-oh. Love the sound but, of that. Hey, yeah. and if people want to get a tea time at Blackthorn, and for more information, phone number, websites, what do you got? 232Golf and BlackthornGolf.com. Good to catch up with you, Tim. Thank you so much for your time, as always, and we'll see you out at the golf course very soon. That sounds great. Thanks, Darren. Have a great night. You too. Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend, 232Golf. Go to BlackthornGolf.com. We'll take a timeout. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up in a couple of moments. 554 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. As we approach the top of the hour here on WSBT Radio, it is our Twitter question of the day. Each weekday on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat, I post a question for you to answer. You can vote. You can vote and reply to that post. We encourage you to always write into us on our Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Last Friday, I asked you this question. Which stat line of a former Notre Dame wide receiver best simulates the receiving numbers this season for Tobias Merriweather. I tried to remind people we're not comparing skill sets. We are comparing stat lines. With that being said, which stat line of a former Notre Dame receiver best simulates the receiving numbers this year for Tobias Merriweather? Here were your four choices. 1987, Tim Brown. I love this stat line. 39 catches, 846 receiving yards. Wow. Wonder what his yards after the catch was. Three touchdown catches in 87 for Tim Brown. 1997, Bobby Brown had 45 catches for 543 yards and five touchdowns. Your third stat line of a former Notre Dame receiver, does it best simulate what Tobias Merriweather's stat line will look like this fall? 2018 Chase Claypool, 50 catches, 639 yards, four touchdowns. And your fourth and final choice, Braden Lindsey. In 2021, 32 catches for 350 and three scores. Here are the results from Friday's question. Coming in fourth place, getting 10.9% of the vote. The stat line of Tim Brown back in 1987, 39 for 846 and three touchdowns. That's such a massive yards per catch. That's awfully hard to duplicate. Third place in the voting, 13% of the vote. I would call this modest numbers. 2021, Braden Lindsey, 32 catches, 350 yards, and three touchdowns. And remember, Merriweather had one catch as a freshman. So anything this year is going to be a massive jump. So we now go to second place in the voting. 
Which stat line of a former Notre Dame wide receiver best simulates the receiving numbers this year for Tobias Merriweather? 28.3% went with Bobby Brown's 1997 season, 45 catches, 543 yards, and five touchdowns. But winning the vote and just getting under half of the votes at 47.8%, a majority believe that the former Notre Dame wide receiver stat line that best simulates what Merriweather will do this year, Chase Claypool, 2018, 50 catches, 639 yards, and four touchdowns. I think that stat line's going to be in the ballpark. He might even have a couple of more touchdowns with Sam Hartman in charge of this offense. So you believe Chase Claypool's 2018 season of 50 catches for 639 and four scores. That'll be close to what Tobias Merriweather does as a sophomore this year for the Fighting Irish. We greatly appreciate your participation in that Twitter question of the day. Today's question went up this afternoon. And I'm not sure how I would vote on this question. Of these four choices, what is the biggest question mark from a 2023 Notre Dame football opponent? The biggest question mark from your standpoint of a Notre Dame opponent this fall. Choice number one, how good is Clemson quarterback Cade Klubnick? Became the starter very late last year at Clemson as a freshman, now heading into his sophomore campaign. 100 pass attempts under his belt. Choice number two, is USC's defense playoff caliber? Maybe I should have said close to playoff caliber. We haven't seen too many Lincoln-Riley defenses at Oklahoma or one year at USC to be close to playoff caliber. But I think you know where I'm going here. The offense is good enough at USC, but can the defense make enough progress in order to be a major factor this year? If the offense has an off day, can the defense do the job at USC? Choice number three, biggest question mark for a 2023 Notre Dame football opponent. Who is Ohio State's quarterback? They have two highly rated. Who becomes the starter? And your fourth and final choice, this is a sneaky important choice because after Navy and after Tennessee State, you take on this NC State team on the road that has Brennan Armstrong now as their quarterback, the lefty who used to be at Virginia two years ago. He had All-American numbers. Last year was, for the lack of a better phrase, a disaster for Armstrong and Virginia. But now he's at NC State. So the fourth choice is, will Brennan Armstrong refine his elite form at NC State? So which of these choices is the biggest question mark, in your opinion, in regards to the 2023 Notre Dame opponents? How good is Clemson quarterback Cade Klubnick? Is USC's defense playoff caliber? Who is Ohio State's quarterback? And will Brennan Armstrong refine his elite form at NC State? You can vote right now. Go to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. We would love your opinion. 
And we will pass along the results on tomorrow's program. And, of course, we'll bring you Tuesday's Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. It is 6.06 at WSBT South Bend. We've got a sports update coming up in just a second. Then we'll get to the five biggest winners of the weekend. Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat on WSBT South Bend. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 618 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. 68 days away from the opening kickoff of the Notre Dame football season. The Fighting Irish will take on the United States Naval Academy in Dublin on August the 26th. 2.30 kickoff South Bend time. 7.30 kickoff over in Dublin as the Irish and the midshipmen will take part in week zero. College football action, one of seven games that will take place in week zero. And with the Irish kicking off in August, we are assuming that Notre Dame will get their fall camp started in late July this year. No official word as of yet, but that is the expectation. So you have maybe six more weeks until we have plenty of Notre Dame football to talk about with fall camp getting underway and we get ready for year number two of Marcus Freeman as the head coach of this Fighting Irish football program. But right now the countdown is on 68 more days until the 2023 football season gets underway here in South Bend. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We have the five biggest winners of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Let's give the Chicago Cubs some props. Now, I know their overall record is 33-38, and 38, but they're only four games out of first place in the NL Central. Once again, I know, I know, it's not a great division, but that's the division you've been assigned, so go win it. And the Cubs are trying to at least hang tough here in June. Well, the Cubs have won five of their last six games. They dropped a contest to the Orioles yesterday as they were going for six of six on their homestand. They swept the Pittsburgh Pirates, won the first two against Baltimore. The O's picked up the victory in game three yesterday. But still, you look at the Cubs, 33 and 38, fourth place in the NL Center, but only four games out of first place. And a major weakness for the Cubs throughout this season has been their bullpen. But the bullpen has been a strength during the last six games, in which the Cubs went 5-1. and one. In the six games, the old Cub bullpen, 20 and two-thirds innings pitched, an ERA of 1.31. In the 20 and two-thirds innings, 26 strikeouts, and they have recorded two saves 
Now, is this a group that probably is going to do that for the next couple of months? No, highly doubt it. But during this good stretch of play where the offense has been producing, they've gotten great starting pitching throughout the year. The bullpen chipped in and held on to those leads over the last week. So a big winner this weekend, the Cubs. Hey, they're hanging in there right now, having won five of their last six games. Four. One of the problems for the Cubs is the Cincinnati Reds are just starting to ascend in the National League Central. It is an ascension that could last for several years or until the Reds ship off all these great young players for other prospects. Normally, they don't pay them or the right ones they don't pay. But let's don't be pessimistic. Let's talk about the Red Legs who have been irrelevant in baseball it seems like for a long time but not anymore the reds have won eight consecutive games all eight victories on the road they have now won 11 of their last 13 games and you look up and the cincinnati reds are just a half a game out of first place in the nl central with a record of 37 and 35. milwaukee right now is the only team ahead of the reds in the central and the Reds might be able to do some more damage three of the next five series. The Reds will take on teams with a record that's under 500. And it's worth noting, in just a couple of weeks, they're going to go to Milwaukee to take on those first-place Brewers. That series starts July 7th. The story with Cincinnati is all the young talent that have graduated to the big club. Now, Jonathan India, two years ago, was the National League Rookie of the Year. Injuries derailed his 2022 season, but he's back. His on-base percentage is 356. Spencer Steer. You know Spencer Steer, right? He's got a 360 on base. T.J. Freidel, 366. First-round pick. Shortstop out of UCLA. This kid is going to be a dandy. Matt McClain has a 380 on base percentage. And the darling of the Reds right now, the newcomer, Ellie De La Cruz. Electric speed, light pole power. His on base right now at 356. They may have to find some more pitching to be serious contenders for the Central. And if they get to the postseason, do something. But you cannot deny the young talent. And there's another guy that is a third baseman in the red system that's absolutely tearing it up. He's moved to the outfield now at AAA with the expectation he could join McLean and De La Cruz with this very young and exciting Cincinnati Reds team. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Another big winner of the weekend, future U.S. Open venues. The atmosphere at the U.S. Open the last four days at Los Angeles Country Club. It was like being at a ballet sometimes. It was way too quiet. I mean, we don't need to hear you the man. Get in the hole. Mashed potatoes, whatever your favorite screaming thing is on the golf course. But the atmosphere just was strange. Only 9,000 general admission tickets per day at the U.S. Open, over 20,000 hospitality tent participants. 
And if you've been in a hospitality tent at a golf tournament, there is some focus on the golf, but then there's also focus on other things going on in the tent. Ricky Fowler on Saturday drained a 69-foot putt, and the reaction was very tame. It was strange. You watch the golf, and there just didn't seem to be a lot of people in various parts of the golf course. Now, they're always going to follow the final pairing, Clark and Fowler, and, of course, you had the must-see TV second pairing of McElroy and Scheffler. But else around the golf course, it just seemed very, very stale. Even when guys were teeing off 1 and 10 throughout the four rounds, there weren't many people around. It was very, very odd. So the USGA needs to make sure that doesn't happen again. I don't know if it was something the Los Angeles Country Club wanted. I've heard about some of their rules and regulations. No shorts on the golf course. You can't change your shoes in the parking lot. You can only use a cell phone at your car in the parking lot, or they have built phone booths in the clubhouse. So if you have to make a call or take a call, you have to go into the phone booth in the clubhouse in order to use your cell phone. Very, very strict. That's what makes you wonder, did they keep out some of the average Joes like you and I? It was a quiet U.S. Open. Let's get back to a little more rowdiness. Beth Page Black up in New York. Public golf course. And those New Yorkers know how to get involved in a golf tournament. That might be going too far, but I'll take something in between Beth Page Black and L.A. Country Club. Number two. Second biggest winner of the weekend, sticking with the U.S. Open, it was Wyndham Clark, just 29 years old, his best finish in a major going into this week, a tie for 75th. But he tamed the USGA's setup at Los Angeles Country Club. He finished at minus 10. He had to par three very difficult and long par fours to close out the championship. 16, 17, and 18, the par fours all over 500 yards and did a very, very nice job of closing it out and holding off guys like Rory McIlroy, his good friend, Ricky Fowler, Scotty Scheffler. Had those bogeys on the backside, but then turned things back around and got the job done. Played at Oklahoma State last year, transferred to Oregon, won a title at Oklahoma State, Runner-up at Oregon in team play. Lost his mother when he was 19 years old due to cancer. And the story was told during the USGA event on NBC that he was lost for a good amount of time without his mom to talk to. But got it done yesterday, winning at 10 under par. McElroy's 9 under par, 271, the lowest score for 72 holes in the U.S. Open that did not win the championship. He just could not catch Wyndham Clark. For a lot of the back nine, he was down a shot to Clark, fell behind by three at 14 and 15, then almost got all the way back but came up one shot short. So now Wyndham Clark puts himself in fantastic position to make the Ryder Cup team. Team USA against Europe later on this year. And the American team is loaded. 
and there's going to have to be some big decisions made by the captain because guys like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are not automatically in right now in the top six. Guys like Clark and Kepka and Homa and Scheffler are in the top six right now, but there's a lot of good golfers on the outside looking in. We'll have to see if some of the live golfers that do not automatically qualify, if they're going to get picked. It looks like Kepka is going to be in no matter what, but some of the others could be a game-time decision. Number one. And finally, the number one winner of the weekend, the Notre Dame football team, as they picked up a 2025 four-star tight end commitment from Nate Roberts. According to On3 Industry Ranking, the 137th player overall in the class of 2025, the number seven tight end. Man, this kid, for the class of 25, he is big, 6'4", already 225 pounds. And he had scholarship offers from... The who's who of college football, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Miami, Oregon, Texas A&M. But he picked the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, one of the reasons why the great tradition of tight ends the last decade here in South Bend. So in the class of 2024, Notre Dame has a commitment from a highly thought of tight end, Jack Larson. They are still chasing Carter Nelson. From the state of Nebraska, the 25 class already has a tight end in Nate Roberts, the number seven tight end according to the On3 industry ranking. And the good news continues for Notre Dame football recruiting. That's the five biggest winners of the weekend. Your time is 631. We're on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. The South Bend Cubs are idle, so we'll have Cubby Corner coming up at 7 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You don't know how to play first base. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, watch. It's incredibly hard. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Every time you play one off your hips, you owe me 40 sit-ups. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, you guys. Don't throw me anything. My girlfriend put a curse on my glove. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. You lollygag the ball around the end. You know what that makes you. Hurry. Lollygag. Well, Bull Durham... The infamous lollygaggers line. And it's the, what anniversary was it? 35th anniversary of the movie Bull Durham coming out. And the Durham Bulls, of course, that was the minor league team featured in the movie. They had a special night at the ballpark recently to commemorate the anniversary of that movie. They had orange jerseys and it had lollygaggers across the front of the uniform kind of a cool touch for a classic classic baseball movie sports be brought to you by budweiser the king of beers locally distributed by united beverage company of south bend baseball fans this bud's for you by barnaby's of mishawaka and granger now with three locations to serve you barnaby's the family inn by the food bank of northern indiana hunger is a story we can end find out how at feedindiana.org 
and by Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash Solid Ground for details. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. It is 20 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. Broadcasting live on 960 AM WSBT. Live streams at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Well, our sports wagering segment, We Going to Sizzler. It has been a lot of fun to be a part of Sizzler in the month of June as we are putting together a record month. All right, so... Let's go back to Friday, and then we'll give you some of the monthly totals. But on Friday's show, we had four suggestions for you, and we started with a Major League Baseball NL Central showdown between the Pirates and the Brewers up in Milwaukee. I took Milwaukee on Friday on the money line at minus 140. You put down 10 bucks to win 17-14. And the Brewers, despite... Allowing the Pirates to load the bases in the top of the ninth with one out. Got out of the jam. Devin Williams picked up the save. And that was a winning wager as the Brewers walked away with a 5-4 victory. The second suggestion from Friday's show. The Cincinnati Reds and the Houston Astros playing down at the big juice box at Minute Maid Park in Houston. And it was Andrew Abbott, the rookie, taking on J.P. France. That was the pitcher's duel in Houston on Friday. I didn't think there would be a lot of runs scored. Abbott, back-to-back, five innings of shutout baseball in his first two major league starts. I thought he would do it again against Houston. So we went Reds-Astros under nine total runs at minus 115. You wager 10 to win 18-69. It was a low-scoring game. Only three runs were scored. We won this easily, and the Reds walked away with a 2-1 victory over the world champion Astros. Suggestion number three from Friday. The Tampa Bay Rays, the best team in baseball, out in San Diego to take on the disappointing Padres. This was a pitcher's duel on Friday, at least on paper. The ace of the Rays, Shane McClanahan, against the ace of the Padres, Hugh Darvish. I went with the road team to pick up the victory on the money line. The Rays at minus 120. Wager 10, win 18-33. We won 18-33 as the Rays took down the Padres 6-2. And finally, Phillies and A's out in Oakland. You know what? Despite the A's having won seven in a row recently, Why not go against them when it's a flip of a coin? Phillies on the money line at the A's at 40. Put down 10 to win 17-14. And the Phillies walked away with an easy 6-1 victory. So based on four $10 bets, we went 4-0. We made $31.30 on Friday. So a 4-0 Friday meant that our weekly run was 14-5-1. And now for the month of June... Holy cow, 33, 14, and 1. And now for the year, all of a sudden, with this great month of June, 
We are 39 games over 500 at 196, 155, and 4. Major League Baseball has been really kind to me since we got the season started in April. So far, our Major League Baseball suggestions on Sizzler are 72, 56, and 1. We are up $122.09 based on all of those wagers being $10. So not too shabby. But what happens tonight? It's a brand new week. Can the streak continue? We're going to pick two games in the College World Series or make wagers involving two games in the College World Series. And then we've got two major league suggestions. Let's start with Omaha. Omaha, Wake Forest, and LSU. It is a dandy of a winner's bracket matchup. Demon Deacons, number one in the country. LSU, number five. Wake Forest, to me, has the deeper pitching staff for this matchup. Wake Forest on the money line against the Bayou Bengals at minus 150. That's my limit, minus 150, nothing over that. So a marginal win. You bet 10, you win 16.66. But a win is a win if you get it. Suggestion number two from that same Wake Forest LSU matchup. I think the runs will be harder to come by in this game. So I'm going Wake Forest, LSU, under 10 runs at minus 130. Wager 10, you pocket 17.69. Suggestion number three, the Brewers and the Diamondbacks up in Milwaukee. Two division leaders squaring up. Milwaukee leads the Central. The Diamondbacks are atop the NL West with the Giants now jumping the Dodgers for second place. Corbin Burns is on the mound for Milwaukee. I believe he'll be the difference tonight. So Brewers on the money line at home against the D-backs at minus 115. $10 wager can win you $18.69. And the fourth and final suggestion for this Monday. It's the Rangers taking on the good guys. The White Sox at guaranteed rate field. Andrew Heaney is on the mound for Texas. The Rangers have not played well the last week or so. This has been their worst stretch of the season. What happens when they take on the Southsiders? My goodness, Lance Lynn strikes out 16. You still lose 5-1. The vibe is just not there for the Sox. Now the manager is taking offense to people questioning his lineups. Not a good sign. So let's just jump on the Rangers bandwagon on the road. They're the road favorite. Texas on the money line against the White Sox at minus 130. Bet 10 to win 17-69. So again, Wake Forest on the money line. Wake Forest LSU under 10 runs. Brewers on the money line against the D-backs. Rangers on the money line at the White Sox. That is Sizzler for this Monday evening. We'll continue on with Budweiser's weekday sports beat next on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 